0: Glory to God. Amen. Won't you say it in agreement? Say it out loud. Father, we agree together, Father, we agree together. for exact utterance, for exact utterance. Every, one of us. every one of us, and everybody listening through any medium, through any medium. For, ears to hear. for ears to hear, eyes that see, eyes see. a heart that receives, heart that receives. There, is there is coming now a supply of the Spirit. The anointing of the Most High. High. Revelation. Revelation. Truth impartation. impartation. And deliverance. And And glory to God. God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, I have an assignment tonight. You believe in God with me for it? Turn with me please to the scripture we've looked at already, 1 John chapter 4 and Gospel account of John chapter 13, 1 John 4, John 13. How many have not been with us in any of the previous sessions that we've taught this week? Okay, we'll review just a little bit. The Lord has stirred me up. From months past, saying to me in in many different ways and times that I and many others had not emphasized his love. That we are not to teach love like it's another subject. We don't just teach healing and and, uh, prosperity and believer's authority and, uh, and righteousness and love. Because God is love and our faith works by love. Amen. And the operation of all these things is from the work and effect of love. Redemption is and Jesus is love manifest in the flesh. And that we are to emphasize it more and, and come back to this and and in in our teaching on faith and righteousness and healing and every other thing, we're to have one foot and one hand strongly holding on to love while we endeavor to minister the other. And let it be the hub, let it be the foundation of all that we do and teach. And uh, in pursuing this and teaching this, I see that it's, and it's no wonder the Lord is saying this because we, uh, in general, in the body of Christ, are, are very ignorant of love. Compared to what there is to be known about it. And it's one of those things that you think you know something about it until you start learning. And you think, oh man. And so that's what we've been pursuing this week. To understand the love of God. Amen. To yield to the love of God. And to see the love of God manifested. In 1 John 4. Verse 7. 1 John 4. Verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. I not you say that last phrase out loud a couple of times. For God God is is love. Love. Say it again, please. God God is love. Love. Once again. God God is love. is love. love. We've suggested that you, in your speaking and reading and study and prayer and talking about God, that you substitute for the word God the word love. And it will open up a whole realm of things to you. When you read a scripture and you see the word God, substitute the word love. You won't be doing any harm to the scriptures, will you? God is love. When you say God heals, you just said what? Love Love heals. And you can see how that when Jesus saw the sick, he was moved with compassion toward them and healed them. Love healed them. Amen. Well, we know it was their faith that received the healing, but we also know that faith, according to Galatians, faith works, operates by love. Amen. And uh, the the answer to why a lot of things haven't been as they should comes back to a, a failure to understand and develop love. In this same chapter here, he talks about that perfect love casts out fear. So anytime we see an area of fear in our life, what do we know is the problem? A lack of an understanding and believing and receiving the love that God is toward us. When you know how much He loves you, you know He's going to take care of you. Amen? When you know how much He loves you, you know He's going to provide for you. Don't you? When you know how much He loves you, you know it is His will to heal you. And to make you whole and to make you strong. To doubt God is to doubt his love. Isn't it? To not trust God is to doubt and not trust his love. And it's a serious charge and it's why unbelief is so serious. And why unbelief is a sin. Now we've gone into a number of areas talking about love. We talked about how that... Most people, Everybody on the planet lives by either the law of the flesh or the law of Christ. The law of flesh is that you live for yourself. You try to make you happy. And that's where many people are at, Christ, many Christians included. But that is, that is not the path to fulfillment and happiness and joy. You can, you can do everything that you think your heart desires. You can have every possession. You can have the position. You can have the associations and the contact and the titles. And as soon as the new wears off, you'll find that there's still an emptiness. You cannot make you happy by trying to make you happy. <laughs> it doesn't work. Didn't Jesus say if you, if you try to hold on to your life and if you pursue your own life, what will happen? You'll lose it. Uh, Try as you might. It slips through your fingers like sand. Oh, but if you'll lay down your life. Amen. For the Lord, for the gospel's sake. For the brethren. Then you'll truly find it. And it is is in this this giving life. The giving life is the fulfilling life. Amen. The sacrificial life, though it doesn't sound like it, is the soul satisfying life. Life, but the selfish life is the narrow life. It's the joyless life. You see people all the time. You know, spend all their money and and tear up their uh, equipment and and make themselves sick and everything at trying to have a good time. You ever seen that? And won't succeed. But true joy and satisfaction comes in being used of God to touch another. The law of Christ. Galatians 6. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When you are used of God to help through the anointing, to get a yoke off somebody or to get a burden off somebody, that gives you a joy that nothing else can give you. Amen. Amen? But it, you'll have to uh, sacrifice in some things. You'll have to, you know, spend your money on the things of God instead of something else. And you, you'll have to put God first and put your stuff on the, on, the, on the back burner and wait. And you'll have to be inconvenienced at times. And it'll take time and it'll take effort. But oh, when you see the smile on somebody's face. When you see that heaviness lifted off of their brow. Ah, when you see somebody come to Jesus. When you see them get filled with the Spirit. When you see them... Get rid of that pain and and get healed. It's worth any effort. I mean, it's just light affliction. Amen? Amen. To see somebody get helped and somebody get ministered to. Can you say amen? amen? Go with me over, please, to John, where you're holding your place now. Gospel account of John in the 13th chapter. He said in chapter 13, 34, He said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. This is the New Testament commandment. This is the a distinguishing mark of a true Christian. He didn't say it was by our miracles that they would know that we're his. He didn't say it was by us quoting scripture. He didn't say it was by us talking in tongues. He didn't say it was by our prosperity that people would know. What did he say it would be by? By this divine love and loving one another. He's talking about you loving your Christian brother or sister. The specific application is, is us loving fellow Christians. And we are to love each other so well and so wonderfully that everybody that saw us would want to be one of us. Would want to join our club. Amen. Because they see what kind of treatment you get when you get in this bunch. They see how much God loves us and how much he loves us through each other. Amen. You know, uh, you read in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians, and the first chapter, Paul talks a lot about how he went through some tough times in his life. He talked about he was pressed beyond measure. And then he kept talking about how God comforted him. How God comforted him and talked about he is the, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And he went on and on about God comforting him. But you get down about three-fourths into the chapter, and he, he specifies, he said, God comforted me by the coming of Titus. You don't see that initially. You're just thinking, well, God comforted him. We realize God ministered to him through a Christian brother and comforted him. Amen? He is the head, we are the body. And you know, so much of what we receive doesn't come directly from the head. It comes from the head, but it comes through other body parts. Amen. I mean, think about it. What if the hand fell out with the wrist? And he said, wrist, I'm tired of you. It's just wrist in the morning, wrist in the afternoon. Wrist in the evening, and I'm just fed up with you, wrist. And the wrist said, well, that's fine by me, hand. I'm tired of you. It's always hand this and hand that and hand the other. And you get credit for everything, picking up everything and doing everything and writing everything. And I'm in the background helping you all the time. And what what if the hand fell out with the wrist and said, I'm not receiving anything else through the wrist. Would that be a problem? Does the wrist get everything it needs from the head, straight from the head, through the air, to the wrist? It comes from the head, but it comes through the neck, through the shoulder, through the upper arm, through the elbow, through the forearm, and through the wrist. Yes, we do receive things directly from the head. Thank God we can go boldly directly to the throne of grace. But so much of the, the way the Lord answers our prayers and meets our needs and comforts us and blesses us and encourages us is going to be from the head, but it's going to be through other body parts. Can you see one reason why the devil works so hard to keep strife? Because he wants to cut off the supply of the spirit that we could and should receive through the other body parts. We need each other. I said we need each other. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work for you to say, well, all I need is just me and Jesus. Jesus and me, that's all I need. Because he has ordained that so much of what you get come through other body parts for a number of reasons. He wants you to appreciate the other body parts. Amen. And he wants there to be a reciprocal thing. If you read in Ephesians, it talks about how that every joint is supplying and every body part is providing so that the whole body is edified. Amen. In love. Amen. Said out loud, we need each other. We need each other. And I can receive receive. through other body parts. I want you to go with me, please. Hold your place. I think you've already lost it in First John, so you, you don't have to think about that. But hold your place in John, Gospel of John, and go to 1 Corinthians 13. Hold your place, please, in John. I think we'll be going back to First John where you were, but you can find it later. But right now, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, the first, oh, over half of it, deals specifically with the subject of divine love or God. And here you see a, a, a phrase by phrase characterization. This portrays the characteristics of love, how it acts how it doesn't act, what it is, what it is not, which is also the personality and character of God himself, isn't it? Which is also what we're called to be. You understand, Jesus, not only, he didn't just pay the price to redeem us. He also intended to reproduce himself in us. He was and is love manifested in the flesh. So much so that at the end of his ministry, he told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen love. You've seen the Father. You've seen God. Do you understand that that is your and my call? Equally? Don't doubt it. Don't disbelieve it. It's your and my call equally that you and I are to have God manifested through us, love manifested through us to the point that if people have seen us, they've seen you, they've seen Jesus. Why? Because you act like love, you talk like love, you respond like love, like God, like Jesus. Jesus said, you know, unless a kernel of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it does, it brings forth much fruit. And he is the love seed, the God seed that was laid into the earth, hallelujah, that died, but was born again. Raised from the dead, now to reproduce, amen, like the stars of the heaven, like the sand on the the seashore. And you and I are to be Christ reproduced and manifest in the earth. He is Christ in us. The hope of glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Do you have a desire for the love of God to be manifest in you so strong that when people see you, they see love? They see God. When they hear you, they hear God. They hear love. Do you have a desire? You must hunger for these things. You must thirst and desire for these things. Say out loud, I want it. I want. Let's read these scriptures then like there are things here we haven't seen before because there is in truth. Things we have not seen here before. Let's look for, for light and, and revelation. 1 Corinthians 13, one. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... And have not love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Do you believe that? Would that be vain tongues? Would it be? Are are you automatically bearing rich fruit just because you're rattling in tongues? No. What makes the difference? Love. Love. What's motivating your prayer? Love. See, what's motivating you, whether you're praising in tongues or giving thanks in tongues, or you're praying or interceding or supplicating or, or making requests. Uh, it should all be in faith, but the basis, what your faith works by is what? Love. 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 What's the key to effectual prayer? Love. love. Not just faith, but Love. And the faith works by the love. He said, verse 2 Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. Did he say, I'm not much? Did he say, I'm not as, I, I am something, but I'm not as much as I could be? What? Do we believe this? Think about it now. You understand prophecy. You understand mysteries. You have a lot of understanding and insight into the Word of God and into the writings of the prophets and into what's been prophesied and the plan of God and how things are unfolding. Could that amount to nothing? Think about it. You have faith. Not not just molehill moving faith. You've got faith, brother. So that you can remove mountains. Mountain moving faith that you have, that, that you operate in. Could that amount to nothing? Do we believe this? He said, if I have all this and I have not love... I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods, all, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me how much? Nothing. Do we believe this? Though you gave how much? You gave everything. Well how can this be? They gave everything they had, they're feeding the poor, and even gave up their body to be burned. Could you do that all that without love? Is it possible that you could give away everything you had without love? Obviously it is. Does it make any difference whether you give it from the motive of love or not? All the difference. If you don't give it from the motivation of love, it profits you nothing. You get exactly the same as if you hadn't given anything or done anything. Because in God's eyes you didn't. Now this is strong, friend. Isn't it? I mean, this this is heart searching. And this brings me to the thing that the Lord has stirred me up about. That there is a, a, a false love. And see, why would people be doing this? Well, the same reason Ananias and Sapphira gave. You remember that, don't you? Barnabas had land and sold it, and he gave it, and apparently it was a big deal. Everybody knew he was from his heart, and, and he was spoken of as the son of consolation and, and honored. And Ananias and Sapphira wanted in on that. So they sold property, and they gave part of it. But why were they doing it? It obviously wasn't from the motive of love. See people do a lot of things. People give offerings to be seen. To be noticed. People give offerings because they want to try to get close to somebody. Did you hear me? People do all kind of things. With ulterior and wrong motives. And it is unacceptable Unless it is from love and by faith. So since this is so vital and so important. He immediately begins to tell us phrase by phrase. What this great love looks like and sounds like. And doesn't look and sound like. Let's look at it closely. Love suffers long. And is kind. Let's just stop right there. <laughs> you could say God suffers long and is kind. Other translations say puts up with and perseveres leniently. You know, that's one of the things that amazes me about God is His patience. Patience. I am absolutely in awe of his patience. (laughs) I mean, my patience was stretched and pulled and pushed and is frayed and gone. And his is barely begun. And he'll put up with stuff. You'll be ready to call fire down on somebody. (laughs) And you'll think, Lord, how do you put up with that? And you'll find that when you're ready to judge him, he's not even that upset yet. Oh, his mercy and his patience is just, it's a big part of what makes him who he is. But you better be glad he's that way with them. (laughs) Because guess who else he's that way with? (laughs) He's that way with us. Amen. And since he has been that way with us, we ought to be that way with each other. Suffer long and kind. It means you put up with a long time. And while you're putting up with it, you're kind. Now that doesn't mean you have to feel that way all the time. Did you hear me? People think walking by love means you just have a wonderful feeling all the time. Oh, no, no, no. People think if you're walking in love, it just means that everybody you see you go, Oh, I just love everybody. I just love, and I love you too. and Oh, and I love you. And... No, you're actually walking in love the strongest when you feel like slapping somebody. But you don't. You feel like dropping the hammer on them, but you you push, you pull back the flesh and you smile. They say, "I'm going to go now." Uh-huh. <laughs> God love you, and I'm going to pray for you at the house, so wait. Catch yourself in mid sentence, mid phrase. You say, "I want to." Let me tell you something. God loves you, and I do too. You can catch yourself in mid. You know what I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm going to send you a cake. (laughs) Hope you enjoy it. No, walking in love, doing this, walking in love is walking by faith, walking in the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these, it's not that you feel that way all the time. No, you got flesh. Your flesh feels goofy. Your flesh feels crazy sometimes. But you got to be strong that you don't pay attention to how your flesh feels. Oh, be quiet flesh. Shut up, shut up. I'm just going to box them up. No, you're going to shut up and do what I tell you to do. You're going to chill and be quiet. Spiritual person is in control of their emotions. Amen. And in control of their words. And in control of their actions. Say it out loud. Love Love. suffers long. long. Puts up with a long time. And is kind. Are you kind? You're supposed to say yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, uh, here's something vitally important. Do not accept. Let me say it like this. You are what you have become, not what you have to be. I said, you are what you have become, not what you have to be. Don't blame your parents, your grandparents, your upbringing, your, your, your schools, your associations, and say, well, I guess it's just the Irish in me. Well, I guess it's just this. I've, I've got a short temper, and that's just me. Wrong. Wrong. That's what you have accepted to be. That's what you have come to believe that you are. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. No. You get your words working for you right now. It would do you a wonderful, wonderful world of good to confess these things over yourself. Because you do have the love of God shed abroad inside you. So you do have the means of being this and doing this and walking this out, but you have to yield to it. But you need to get your words working for you instead of against you. You need to begin to say, I am kind. I am kind. And even if people say, you? Kind? Let me tell you what you are. Say, no, I don't want to hear that. I am kind. I'm a kind person. Amen. Amen. You are not, you are a rough rascal, you've always been mean, you've always, you know, did this and did that, and that's the way you came up, and that's just the way you are, and that's just it. No, that's what you have become. It is not what you have to be. You can believe God, and you can be conformed into His image, from glory to glory. But you've got to believe it, you've got to accept it. Say it out loud, I'm kind. I'm kind. I am. A kind person All the time Amen Say it out loud I'm kind at home I'm kind with the kids I'm kind with the spouse I'm kind at work I'm kind everywhere I'm kind all the time Because I'm just kind That's me Now, you say that another 5,000 times, you start believing it. No, I believe some are believing it already, but that you do need to stay with it. He goes on to say, Love envies not. Now, this is something that the Lord, this this is part of my, the major part of my assignment tonight, was this part right here. I had not seen the significance of envy until I began to study this and over these past few months. Envy is connected with hate throughout the scriptures. And envy is one of, I don't want to say more than I know, but I know this, it is one of the strongest motivators of hate in the earth. And not just in the earth, in the underworld. Envy is a terrible thing. And love has no part of it. The very nature of love renders that it cannot envy. You can't be in envy and loving somebody. Did you hear me? You have to stop loving them to start envying them. If you love them, you want it to go good for them. If they've got better than you do, it makes you glad. If you love them. Right? Go with me to John, please. The 14th chapter. Said out loud while you're turning over there, Love, love does, not does not envy. Love can't envy. It's, it's against the nature of, of what love is. Jesus said something right before he went away that's very revealing. You know, when he told his disciples, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't come, it really disturbed them. And you can understand, I mean, he really had to talk to them. He said, well, now hold on, I'm sending you another comforter. I'm not going to leave you like orphans. You're going to be all right. But I mean, he, he had to talk to, well you can understand, I mean, you, you've kicked along and knocked along the best you could, and Jesus comes into your life. And everything changes. And you've been with him night and day for these years, and you've seen miracles, and you've seen healings, and you've heard things, and was caught up in the glory with him at times. Now he's leaving. Man, it was, it was about more than some of them could handle. But this is one way he dealt with it. In John 1427 14:27, 14, 27, he said, "Peace, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard how I said to you, I go away and come again to you. If you loved me, you'd rejoice. Because I've said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. He said to him, if you really loved me, like you've said you do, you'd be glad I'm going. If you loved me. See, this is the revealer, isn't it? You know, if you lose uh, loved ones, loved ones go home to be with the Lord. Sure, you're going to miss them. But if you can't get past the grief, you're not portraying love for them. Did you hear me? If you love them, then, and you know they're with the Master. Hallelujah. It makes you glad. Doesn't it? And your love for them is stronger than your selfishness and your feeling of loss. So you overcome the grief. Can you see that? It's it's natural to cry. It's natural to miss somebody. But I'm talking about when you go on and on and on and on, and you just can't seem to get over it. It's got nothing to do with your loving them. Did you hear me? Did you read this? I mean, this is the master. He wanted them to look right square in the face at what they were dealing with. He said, If you loved me, did you hear it? Verse 28 If you loved me, you'd do what? You'd rejoice. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. And my Father's greater than I. Hallelujah. Go to 1 John, please. 3. I need to camp on this thing about envy for a while because this, this is a revealing thing. I mean, this gives some tremendous answers as to where we are in time and where the world is right now. 1 John, the third chapter. One of the major characteristics of love is that it has no envy about it. It cannot envy. And envy is one of the strongest motivators of hate. And envy is connected with hate in the scriptures repeatedly. In 1 John, the third chapter, beginning in verse, verse 10, it says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil Whoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. The one who loves not his brother is not of God. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Now here he gives an example of the exact opposite and contrast of keeping this command. That we should love one another not as Cain who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil, and his brothers righteous. You see the the most overt act of hate from the beginning of humanity in our dispensation on the earth? When one rose up and killed his own brother, what motivated it? This wasn't the love of God. The love of God wasn't in any of this. Why did he get to the place where he couldn't stand his brother anymore? He wanted him dead. He wanted him out of his eyes. He wanted, so he could never see him again. Because his own brother's works were righteous and his were bad. So he killed him. And this is hatred and this is envy. And it was how the murder and the pain began to be perpetuated on a large scale in the planet. In fact, just hold your place and and go back to Genesis. Genesis. And the fourth chapter. Genesis 4, verse 3. In process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock. And of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. We know from Hebrews 11 it was because he gave it in faith. We know his faith worked because he gave it how? In love. And we can see it demonstrated in the fact that he gave the best he had. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. Because he knew Cain's heart. Cain didn't do his best. Cain didn't give from love. So we've already read, you can give everything you got, but if it's not from love, profits and it means nothing. Under Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now this is one reason I want you to turn here, because you see how envy manifests. If you look up the word envy in the, you know, in the Hebrew and, and Greek, and Chaldean, Arabic, all those. I don't, want, I don't want to go through every one of them, but I've just brought them together. It literally means to, to burn, like with anger. To burn, to boil over. And you can see that, can't you, right here. He was very wroth. It made him mad. It may, not, not just angry, it, it made him Almost into a rage. What made him this way? Because his brother's sacrifice was accepted and honored and his was not. I shouldn't say sacrifice, offering. His offering was accepted and his was not. It also means, well these uh, original word dictionaries bring out that it has the strong competitive sense And it arisen out of the spirit of rivalry, to excite to rivalry, competition. Now we've known that some of these things are not good, but I don't think we've seen exactly how devilish they really are. This competitive spirit, this this rivalry thing. And this getting upset because you think somebody got ahead of you a little bit. It is the very nature of the devil himself. Amen. I said it's the nature of the devil himself. Listen to, uh, to James. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it to you. James 3 and verse 16 says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion or tumult and unquietness and every evil work. Envy and strife is the manifest presence of the devil. It's the manifest presence of the devil. Of darkness and evil. Not even a little of it is okay. We must be completely intolerant of it. In our own minds and words and souls. In our family. In our children. Because to yield to it, to allow it, to let it go. Is to let work what worked between Cain and Abel. I want to just take the time, I want you to go with me please to to Mark 15. We're just going to take the time to turn to some scriptures. The love of God cannot envy. Mark 15 and verse 9. Mark 15, 9 says, Pilate answered him and said, Will you that I release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priest had delivered him, why? For envy. Why did, they, why did it come to the point, we know it was the plan of God, but from the natural side of it, how did they get to the point where they, had, they felt like they had to kill Jesus? Envy. They they covered it. Now, are you with me? Or are you staying with me? Yes. Please, because this this gets to some very pertinent present day things right now. Mm-hmm. They colored it with all kind of political rhetoric. Yeah. They tried to say he didn't keep the law. They tried to say he broke the Sabbath. They tried to portray that he was against Caesar and all other kind of things. But what do we know it was? You know what really got to him? He had the crowds they didn't have. He had the results they didn't get. He had the people's love they didn't have. Did you hear me? And when you are faced with light that shows up that you are not right with God, that shows up that you're not where you should be, you'll do one of two things. You'll either humble yourself and repent, or you will harden yourself and resist and you remember in the whole ninth chapter of John, he talked about, you know, there was a blind man that was healed and could see. And, and he used it to teach them about blindness and seeing. And so at the end, it got so plain to them that they, the Pharisees and the leaders, they, they finally spoke to him and said, well, are we blind too? He said, no. If you were blind, you'd have no sin. But now you see. So your sin remains. They saw, they saw, scripture was being fulfilled, they saw these things, but they were choking so much on their pride that they felt like he was taking their place that they wanted to have, they couldn't stand it, and they wouldn't receive it, and they wouldn't repent, and they wouldn't humble themselves; they hardened themselves, and they stiffen their neck. And according to the scripture, what comes after that? Destruction. I said destruction. You harden your heart, you stiffen your neck, and you won't change. You won't judge yourself. Then you will be judged, and there's destruction in it. They turned him over. Because they envied him. They were, it enraged them because they wanted what he had. Now, that's what happened to Cain. It made him so mad that his brother got the Father God's blessing and favor and honor, and he didn't. But the Lord told him, If you do well, shall you not be accepted? Didn't he? You can have this respect. You can have this blessing. But here's the problem. Cain wanted what Abel had. But he didn't want to do. What Abel did. Did you get that? These Pharisees and these rulers. They wanted what Jesus had. But they didn't want to strip themselves of a desire of the glory of men. They didn't want to give themselves completely to the Father's will like Jesus did. Now, go with me, please, to the book of Acts. Acts 7. Acts 7 and verse 9. Are you there? The patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. If you go back to Genesis 37, don't do it right now, but you remember the story about how that his father Israel loved Joseph. And he gave him that coat of many colors and he told them their dreams. And the Bible said in verse 4 of 37, they hated him. Because of these dreams and they could not speak peaceably to him. And verse 11 said, and his brethren envied him. Do you see hate and envy in the same paragraph? They hated him. And that's what provoked them and moved them to the place where they sold their own brother as a slave. The Bible said in Psalm 106, don't turn there, but 106, 16 and 17, they envied Moses in the camp. And they envied Aaron, the saint of God. And the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. What happens when you harden yourself and you resist? Destruction comes. Envy. Turn on over to... uh, Acts 13, please. Acts 13. And verse 43. Acts 13, 43 says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. You know, the first time they came, they spoke in the synagogues, and, and a lot of the Jews, many of the Jews, came across and believed. And everything was just hunky-dory. I mean, everything was just great. Until the next Sabbath day. And verse 44, and the next Sabbath day, what happened? Came almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. But when the Jews saw the crowds... And saw the multitudes, they were what? Filled with envy. And they spoke against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. They didn't do this because they genuinely believed that Paul and Barnabas were uh, teaching error. Because the Sabbath before, everything was just great and good. But now, they're contradicting and blaspheming in verse 46. Paul and Barnabas wax bold. And they said, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Hmm. We'll get to this perhaps some more. But rejecting the love of God is a most serious offense. To reject the love of God is to reject light. And once you turn away from light, there's nothing left but darkness. To reject the love of God is to reject truth. And once you turn away and push away truth, what else is left? Lies. deception. Go with me on over to Acts seventeen, please. Acts seventeen. And verse two. The Bible said Paul, as his manner was, went into them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach to you is Christ? And some of them believed, and consorted with Paul, and Silas, and the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But when all these multitudes came, same thing happened, verse 5, but the Jews, which believed not, moved with what? Envy. Now look what happened. Took unto themselves certain lewd fellows of the baser sort. unscrupulous, uh, immoral, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And they tried to say before the courts that these people are establishing decrees that are against Caesar and against the city, and, but it was none of that. I want you to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying tonight. You're going to hear a lot. You've been hearing and you will hear a lot of hoopla and a lot of hype about this and that. But at the base of it is what? Envy. What's feeding the hatred? Envy. Envy. And envy is the very opposite of the love of God. Now, how many believe in the prosperity message? Go to Genesis. 26. Can you, can you hear what's coming, can't you? Ecclesiastes 4.4, 4, while you're turning there, it says, All travail and every right work, for this a man is envied of his neighbor. He was kind of frustrated with that. Because he was saying, man, you you work hard and you stay after something and and you pursue it and and you make good ground and you want everybody to rejoice with you and your neighbor envies you for it. You stand your ground and you you believe God and you sow your seed and you stand and sow your seed and have a breakthrough and you go, hallelujah! And you look around and somebody's grumbling. (laughs) Now, what I want us to see by the Spirit tonight is how evil envy is. It is not this little light thing that some people have left the idea, well, you know, I guess they're a little bit envious, a little bit jealous, but we all have to deal with that. You're talking about the nature of the devil. And where this envy and where this strife is, there's confusion and tumult and and lack of peace and every. Evil work. Serious, serious business. And the absence of the love of God. And the peace of God. Look in Genesis 26, please. You there? Genesis 26. Isaac was in the land of Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and there was a famine in the land, and he figured, well, it's famine, it's time to leave. But the Lord said, don't leave. Don't go to Egypt. You stay where I tell you to, and I'll bless you. And the Bible said in verse 12, So Isaac sowed in that land, and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great store of servants, and all his neighbors rejoiced with him. Huh? How many believe in prosperity? Huh? How many believe in hundredfold? Yeah. And fiftyfold? Yeah. And three hundredfold? Yeah. And a thousandfold? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. How many want to stay after it? Yeah. And believe God? Yeah. Are you ready yeah. to be envied? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Are you ready? To be hated? That's what I just got through saying. Now, it didn't stop with the Philistines being upset. All the wells that his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines, stopped them up and filled them with dirt. No, that's just mean. Isn't it? I mean, out in the desert? To just come by and fill up a well of water with dirt? This It's some bad stuff. Isn't it? It's hate. And he went on to say that Abimelech, the king, came to him and said, uh, We want you to leave. He just had his breakthrough a hundredfold year. I want you to be ready, friends, because I believe I'm looking at some people that will not back off this thing. Hmm? Am I? I believe I'm looking at some people that absolutely will not quit. Do you see it good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Do you see the windows of heaven poured out? And you don't have room to receive, that you gotta bring out the old because of the new? Am I in some among some people like that tonight? I want to know. That you're serious, that you you didn't you're not playing with this thing, you're not gonna back off with this thing. Well you got to get ready though. Because people will hate you because of it. You know why? They'll say a lot of stuff that's not the issue. They'll bring up a lot of things that have nothing to do with it. Because they don't want to admit what it really is. But the real problem is they want what you got. But they don't want to do what you do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah i just as soon preach something and made you shout and run the aisles But this is the order of business tonight This will help us There's light in these things There's revelation This will come back to you in the days to come When you're dealing with things And all this stuff is being kicked around And you know that ain't it that, This is it This is it They envied him They said go away Well, eventually, he he left. He went away. But eventually, they came to him. And they said, you know, we know God's with you. Let's have a covenant, okay? Isn't that something? And people will do the same thing with you. They'll run you off and then they'll call you to pray. And what are you going to do? You're going to walk in love. Amen. You're going to walk in love. You're going to love them. Amen. In spite of it. And verse uh, 26. Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Phicol, chief captain of his army. And Isaac, when they rolled up in the driveway, he said, uh, (laughs) Why did you come here? Cause did you forget you hate me and you have sent me away and they said well yeah but we saw certainly the Lord was with you so let there be an oath between us between me and you and let's have a covenant okay <laughs> oh boy but he did he did he sat down with them and they had a meal and the love of God. The mercy of God. Can you say amen? amen. Turn with me to Mark, the 10th chapter. Say out loud love, love. Envies, not. envies not. Mark, the 10th chapter. You know, Jesus has spoken to the rich young ruler to. So to the poor and follow him and he was sad and didn't do it and left. That showed his lack of love, didn't it? When you love the Lord more than you love anything that you've got, you can obey him. Can't you? That's what he said, if you love me, you keep my commands, you do what I say. And he goes on to say, you know, the, the, it's hard for a rich man to enter in. Those that trust in riches, he said in verse 24. And they were astonished. And they said, who can be saved? In verse 27, he said, with men it's impossible, but not with God. For God, with God, all things are possible. Verse 28, Mark ten twenty-eight. Peter began to say to him, lo, we have left all and followed you. In other words, what are we going to have? And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say to you, there is no man, not one, that has left house, or brother, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive what? When? Now. He shall receive a hundredfold now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mother." Children and lands you'll be envied. I said, You'll be envied, and you'll be hated, and you'll be persecuted. Because people want what you have. They want that place of faith in God where your job is not your source. Amen? They want that, they want that place. Where you don't ask anybody for anything. You don't beg. You just bless God so you see it and claim one. Stand your ground till it comes to you. They want that. But that's rough on the flesh. It takes faith and it takes patience. And they don't want to do that. Cain wanted what Abel had. But he didn't want to do what he did. He didn't want to make the heart changes. He didn't want to repent. And so it made him so mad every time he saw Abel, it reminded him of what he wasn't. Did you hear me? Every time he saw Abel, it reminded him of what he didn't have in God. It reminded him that his heart wasn't right. The righteous in the earth. Convict the wicked by their very existence, by their very presence. And you and I are going to grow stronger and stronger in love and in faith and in righteousness. Amen. And in the blessing of God and in the power of God and the prosperity of God. And it's glorious and it's wonderful, but the the brighter light is going to, by contrast, show the darkness. It's going to show it. And people who are not hungry for God and who don't want to give their all to God will not like it. Lukewarm Christians won't like it. And particularly people that are in false religions and don't know God at all. Will do and will hate us because we have what they want. Did you hear me? We are what they want to be. Go with me to John, please. John 15. John 15. Verse 9, as my father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Listen carefully now. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. Oh, do we know what that means? The Lord's been talking to me about that for months now about God's choice, about His choice. You know, people like to think if you see somebody that's used of God in the gifts or in ministry or somebody that's strong financially and and different things that they're able to do, people think, well, you know, that person, just they just have it in them. They worked hard. No, they were chosen. Hallelujah. And the blessing of God on your life Shows not just your excellence. Though you know you'll be rewarded for what you do. But it shows God's choice. Yes. You and I can't take credit. That's right. For even being saved. That's right. <laughs> Did you hear me? Right. We were and are his choice. And there's nothing more precious in the universe. That God chose us. Romans says we, that there are vessels unto wrath, fitted to destruction. But thank God, we're vessels unto mercy. Vessels of love. Hallelujah. Prepared to glory. That's not because of, uh, of what we did. It's because He chose us. Oh friend, if you, if you said that all night, it'd bless your soul. God chose me. I am His choice. I am His choice. Said out loud. I am, his I am His choice. He said, you've not chosen me. But I've chosen you. And ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. Do you hear favor here? Yeah. He chose us. He loves us. We were the apple of his eye, he picked us out. God hand picked us. Out of all the beings, out of all the humans, out of all the generations, God picked you and me. He picked us. There is no greater honor, there is no greater glory. God chose you. Verse 17. These things I command you. That you love one another. If the world hates you. You know that it hated me before it hated you. Why did they hate him? Hmm. We've already looked at it carefully, didn't we? Why did they hate him? They hated him because they envied him. You know why they envied him? Because he was God's choice. Listen to this: If the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, the world would love his own, but because you are not of this world, but I have what? I have what? I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, that's why the world hates you. Do you see it? Why do they hate us? God chose us. Amen. And they envy us because God chose us. God chose us to give revelation to. Are you thankful? Do you understand? You and I could be sitting in a little hut somewhere still wondering if it's God's will to heal or not. God chose us to reveal such light to. Are you thankful? He chose us. What a privilege. I said He chose us. He chose us to reveal the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the gifts of the Spirit, full prosperity, authority in the name of Jesus. He chose us. And it is because of this that the world hates us. Now listen, you don't have to turn there, but but remember it. In Genesis 27:41 it said Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing that his father blessed him with The things that are going on right now Hmm Between Isaac and Ishmael went back to Esau and Jacob. It went back to Cain and Abel. Did you hear me? What is it about? It's about envy. Oh, it's layered with deception and it's colored with all kinds of political rhetoric and every other thing, but don't believe it. I said don't believe it. Don't believe any of it. What's at work here? And you know what's feeding them? You know what fed uh, Cain? You know what fed Esau? You know what fed Ishmael? You know what feeds it all through the ages? It is the fallen one. The fallen one who has lost his place and he sees how much God loves us. And how that God has chosen us. And placed his spirit in us. And placed his name on us. And he cannot stand it. It eats his insides every moment of every day and every night. He wants to kill us. Because we are the chosen of God. But listen to me Try as he may Try as he might There is something That he cannot overcome (laughs) There is something That he cannot override He cannot break through He cannot stop He cannot render it ineffective It is the love That cannot fail Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So though he loads up fiery darts galore, and though he works on people to lay in their bed at night and grind their teeth, because they can't stand that you got a hundredfold and three hundredfold. They can't stand that you got revelation. They can't stand that you are what you are and God's done for you what he's done. They can fire all they want. But if you'll hold up the shield of faith that is buoyed by the love of God. It will quench every fiery dart. Nothing will penetrate. Nothing will get through. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand up and give God glory. Stand up and give God praise. Oh Father, we bless you. We praise you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you, Lord. you lord praise you lord praise you lord praise you lord praise you lord Lord. hallelujah no matter how others may hate that you are the chosen of god You will be protected and all yours will be protected in love and faith. Amen. Amen. But now listen carefully. The thing that removes your protection is by lowering the shield of faith, pushing aside the love of God, and letting things like envy work in you. In this case, you become vulnerable. You don't want that. I don't want that. Right? So I want you and I to before the Lord tonight, pray a prayer and make a commitment and release it to God. Amen. Amen. That we will not tolerate any envy in our lives. Are you ready to do that? Are you willing to do that? Do you know what we're talking about? The least bit of feeling displeasure at somebody's benefit or look like they got ahead of you or got more than you or they got used in something that you wanted to get used in or they got life that you didn't get. Whatever it may be, I want you to purpose in your heart, I will not let that sit in me. I will not let that seethe in me for a minute. It is the devil's own nature. I forbid it. I will not allow it. I will get myself by the ear and if I have to, I'll make myself thank God for their blessing all night. Amen. If I have to, I'll get in the floor and make myself pray for an hour that they'll get more. Amen. But I will not. Oh friend, do you realize how how great this is? We're talking this this is the key to your breakthroughs. You get this totally out of you, there will be nothing you can't have. Nothing you can't receive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, this is exciting. I, I sense it in the Spirit. Are you ready? I'm going to lead you in it right now. Mean business with God now. Say it out loud, Father God. Father God you, are love. you are love. I'm a love being. Born of a love God, love God. Your, love Your love Is shed abroad, is shed abroad in, my heart in my heart By the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Ghost. I choose, I choose to, live to live In this love, in this love I, choose I choose To yield to yield, yield myself, yield myself completely, completely To this love I ask, you, my Lord, I ask you my Lord make me aware, make me aware and, alert me and alert me to any remnant, to any, remnant any, vestige any vestige of envy, of envy. I, will not I will not allow it in me, allow it in me. I, refuse I refuse to be angry to be, mad, to be mad, to be envious, to be envious at my brother, at my brother or, my or my sister, no matter what they have, no matter what they do, no matter how high you promote them, you promote them. No, matter how far, no matter how far they may go out beyond me. They may go out beyond I purpose purpose. In my heart In Jesus name name. I will only rejoice I will only only be glad glad. And no envy envy. Will ever live live In me me. Again Again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah 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 Oh, my, 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 my. You know what God's doing? He's getting you ready. He's getting you ready to be used like you have never been used before. He is. He's getting you ready to be a vessel for more grace, glory, revelation, light, money, stuff to flow through you than it ever has. These words have rung in my soul Since I began looking at this some months ago When they came to get Jesus that night We're going to talk about this perhaps tomorrow evening We'll see But when they came to get him It said he loved his own to the end And he ministered to him. We'll talk about that But then it said when the devil came uh, Through the rabble and the crowd to come take him He said his hour is now But he has nothing in me Oh glory to God (laughs) He doesn't have The least bit of hate in me He doesn't have any bitterness in me He doesn't have any envy in me He's got nothing Nothing in me You know what that means It means God has everything In you And you're full of God You're full of love You have no fear You're full of boldness You're full of power Hallelujah. Let's praise God real good one more time. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. We praise you. Oh, we glorify your holy name. We magnify you. Oh how great you are, how great you are, How great is your love How great is your goodness How great is your glory How great you are, how great you are, how great you are. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh hallelujah, Hallelujah! Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God.